Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. There are periods in church history where the Word of God is lost or demoted. Theologically speaking, they don't want nutritional food that requires chewing and digesting. They just want a sugar fix, a religious rush that they hope the band and the worship leaders will give them. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And welcome to Know the Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd. As children and servants of God, one of our most important tasks is handling God's Word with great care. Today, Philip concludes the last part of a lesson titled Stay on Message. It's a lesson from the Without Apology series where we're learning how to live out our faith with courage. Later, we'll tell you about an interesting resource that will show you how to take a biblical stand when God and government collide. You can learn more at ktt.org. But now, let's join Philip for today's lesson. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So we have been working our way through this letter of Paul, his last letter. He's enduring his second imprisonment. He will not escape this imprisonment. Soon after writing this letter, we believe through church tradition that Paul was martyred in Rome. So he writes to his young minister and his young son in the faith and encourages him to certain ends. And we're in chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Paul wants Timothy to preach with a fear of God, with a sense of eternity, with a weightiness, a solemnness to all that he does because someday he will be judged by Jesus Christ at his coming and his kingdom. We started to look at the preaching of the word as Paul explains it and exhorts it here. Timothy was to preach the word precisely. Verse two, preach the word be ready in season and out of season. There's to be a, an earnestness, an urgency, a passion to Timothy's presentation of the gospel. The man of God and certainly the preachers of the gospel need to be men that are ready. They're cocked and they're loaded for action. And given the opportunity, they preach the word and they preach it precisely and they preach it plainly and they preach it passionately. So preach precisely as a herald. Preach plainly as a herald. Preach passionately. Preach pastorally. But Timothy, make sure you preach with great patience. The pastor teacher, the man of God, must have a loving heart because he's to preach pastorally to a people he loves and wants to feed. And he's to preach with a patient spirit. He understands that you can't get up in front of a congregation and wave your Bible like a magic wand and all of a sudden you've got a congregation of perfect saints. Sanctification, unlike justification, is progressive. There are degrees to it. You can go forward and you can go back. Many, many years ago, I enjoyed reading one of Charles Swindoll's book. I loved the title. It went something like three steps forward, two steps back. And I grabbed that as a young Christian. I go, that sounds like me. You know, I'm making progress and then I do something dumb. 
you know, give into this temptation and don't live in overcoming power through the Holy Spirit. It's three steps forward, two steps back. And when you recognize that, that will affect how you preach and how you pastor. Sanctification is progressive, the flesh regressive, and the world and the devil oppressive. Congregational life isn't one long jump to success. It's a series of steps. No, we need to be patient. It'll take time. I love Shark Tank. And I was watching it a while ago, and one of the entrepreneurs, you know, Laurie, was challenging a wannabe entrepreneur who was selling them a story. Hardly took a breath. You know, he had it all nailed down, how he was going to make a success of this business and why they need to give him their hard-earned dollars. And she listened to it. She said, I don't hear a step-by-step plan. I don't hear how you're going to get there. I hear where you want to go, but I can't hear how you're going to get there. You make it sound so easy. And here's what she said, and I wrote it down because it's true spiritually. She says, I have learned, and she says, all the sharks have learned, there is no elevator to the top. You have to take the stairs. It's a great statement. There is no elevator to the top. You have to take the stairs. Same in church. Same in your walk with God. Sanctification's hard. It's long. It must be fought over. There's nothing instant about it. I do like the story I came across of the comedian Yaakov Smirnoff. He first came to the United States many, many years ago. He was a comedian here. He comes to the United States from Russia, and he's not prepared for the incredible variety of instant products available in American grocery stores. One night in one of his shows, he says this, on my first shopping trip here in the United States, having come from Russia with all its limits, I saw powdered milk. You just add water and you get milk. Then I saw powdered orange juice. You just add water and you get orange juice. Then I saw baby powder and I thought to myself, what a country. (laughs) Well... Sometimes we carry that kind of thinking over into our spiritual lives. Here's the final thought under the idea of the charge. Preach persistently. Preach persistently. Paul has been answering a series of questions about preaching. Okay? He wants Timothy to preach. Preach the word. The coming, the charge. And he has answered why, what, when, and how. Now he returns to the why. Why should you preach? He's already given them one reason. Did you catch it in verse one? Why should you preach the word? Plainly, precisely, patiently, pastorally, persistently, because Jesus is coming and you're going to give an account for your ministry. Now he gives them a second reason and there it is. In fact, here's the way just to read it to get the point. Verse two, preach the word. Verse three, for the time will come. Timothy, preach the word for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You're going to preach the word. I know that. You're going to preach it precisely and plainly and pastorally. You're going to give them sound doctrine. The word sound doctrine is the idea of healthy doctrine. He's going to give them the meat of the word. He's going to give them the whole counsel of God. He's going to give them the full gospel. 
but he needs to be aware there will come a time in the life of the church when the church will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Notice the word they. Who's the they? It's professing Christians within the church. It's nominal believers within the church who no longer can stomach doctrine, theology, witty issues. No, they're going to turn from the truth. They're going to demand feel-good sermons. They're going to demand preachers who will tickle their every fancy. They want to come to church not to repent, but to relax and feel good about themselves. Theologically speaking, they don't want nutritional food that requires chewing and digesting. They just want a sugar fix, a religious rush that they hope the band and the worship leaders will give them. They want preaching and teaching that strokes their ego, soothes their conscience. They don't want preaching that smites their conscience, speaks of judgment to come, humbles the sinner, and exalts the Savior. That's what's going on here. Notice again, for the time will come when they... Implication, the people you're preaching to will not endure sound doctrine, but they're driven by their own desires and their itching ears, and they will want people who indeed meet their requirements. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Church brochures and websites, come to our church. Our pastor won't preach at you. Then he's not a pastor. I don't know what he's doing in the pulpit because he's not fulfilling 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. Visit churches and you'll notice that the worship service is more like a concert venue. The stage is lit. The auditorium is dark. The congregation is passive. They're told to sit back and enjoy the service. I was sitting having lunch with someone this week who, with some embarrassment, admitted that his pastor, quote, does not preach doctrinal sermons. They will not endure what? Signed doctrine. Read Christian books. Notice the absence of Bible exposition. Notice the presence of pop psychology. Turn on your Christian television and watch, and you'll see supposed Christian ministers who are really false teachers promise people their best life now and the fact that indeed if they follow Jesus, they don't have to endure sickness and they don't have to endure suffering. It's all a lie. Timothy was warned, that day's coming. We're seeing elements of that in our day. And Timothy is told in the face of that, he is to preach the word in season and out of season. He's to be a contrast to that. He's to indeed be ready to preach the word. And by the way, sound doctrine is just another phrase for the word. Those are interchangeable terms. Preach sound doctrine. They will turn from the word. Preach the word. They will turn from sound doctrine. But Timothy, what are you to do? You're to preach it, be ready to preach it, preach it patiently, pastorally, persistently. Can I go back to verse 2, be ready in season and out of season? little word study here that I think I can explain to you pretty easily. There's two Greek words that could be used here, chronos or kairos. Chronos, chronology, you know, chronometer, it's a word that speaks of time, linear time, one moment after another moment, one hour after another hour. But the word kairos speaks of periods of time, chapters within history, epochs. And it's interesting that Paul uses the word kairos here. 
We tend to look at verse two subjectively. You're not Timothy. You know what? Doesn't matter what your mood is and your temperament is, preach the word. But really, it's this kind of idea, Timothy, you better be ready to preach the word. And there will be times and seasons within church history where people will not want the word. But you've got to preach it and be ready to preach it. Read the Reformation and you'll see that's what goes on, the rediscovery of God's word, its sufficiency, its authority, and the return to expositional preaching. The Catholic church was sacramental. The Protestant church was expositional. There are periods in church history where the word of God is lost or demoted. And Timothy's told by implication, you know what? You must be faithful in faithless times. You must step into the ranks of faithful men who across time have expounded God's word without fear. In fact, Timothy, I need you to be what I've been because I'm about to depart, but I've kept the faith, son. I've run the race. I've fought the fight. I'm handing you the baton and I need you to step up to the plate. Timothy is being told not to have a niche for the novel. Timothy is being told not to track the trends. Timothy is being told not to fear being cast as unoriginal. The Christian minister wants to be unoriginal, not uninteresting, but unoriginal, because he's a herald. He's got the message, and he's got to deliver it as we have expounded P.T. Forsyth said the preacher is not to be original in the sense of being absolutely new, but in the sense of being fresh, of appropriating for his own personality or his own age what is the standing possession of the church. It's perennial trust from Christ. He makes discovery in the gospel, but not of the gospel. Some preachers spoil their work by an incessant strain after novelty and a morbid dread of the commonplace. Can I try and fit this in for a few moments. I think it was two years ago now, June and I were in Washington, D.C. I made sure I, we got some time for Arlington Cemetery. I'd always wanted to go there. It was a very solemn day and a very inspiring day. We happened to be there when they were changing the guard at the tomb to the unknown soldier, which was a thrill to watch. And it reminded me of an illustration I'd used some six months before in the church here, and now I got to see it played out because that monument has been guarded, do you know this, since 1937? 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. It's guarded by a company of 30 honor guards, and whoever's on duty will walk 21 paces across the monument, stand for 21 seconds, turn, and then do another 21 paces, stop, Wait for 21 seconds and turn and repeat that. Because in military life, a 21-gun salute is the greatest honor you can give a soldier. And we're honoring our fallen and those who we have not retrieved. But when they are changing guard, it is said that one soldier says to the other soldier, orders remain unchanged. Since 1937, orders have remained unchanged. Oh, my friends, since AD 67, orders have remained unchanged. Just preach the word. So we have looked at the coming. We have looked at the charge. And in verse 5, the contrast. We'll move through this very quickly. The contrast as we close, verse 5. But that's a contrastive word. 
but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Set against this backdrop of apostasy, when people will not endure the truth and turn from the truth and heap to themselves false teachers. Timothy was told, by contrast, you be watchful in all things, endure, evangelize, and fulfill the ministry. I think I've alerted you to the fact that this little phrase appears a few times in this letter. Go back to chapter 3, verse 10. But you, this is emphatic in the Greek, but you, you kind of, but you, Timothy, scroll down to verse 14, but you, Timothy, must continue in the things which you have learned. Then here in verse 5, but you, Timothy, be watchful. If I could put it like this, guys, for the sake of time, Paul wants Timothy to be a standout servant of Jesus Christ just to stand out against the backdrop of apostasy and unfaithfulness, to stand out within society as a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. Timothy, I want you to be a fork in the road. I want people who confront you to have to make a decision about Jesus Christ. And this call is centered on four imperatives. We're not going to develop them all. Watchful, I think that means be personally and morally alert. I think he's to watch over himself, first of all. He's to watch over his spiritual life and his prayer life and his holiness. Secondly, be ready for incoming fire. Endure hardness or endure suffering or inflictions. Three, be about the work of evangelism. While he's to preach pastorally inside the church, he's to preach evangelistically outside the church. Share the gospel with the unsaved. But here's the one that interests me the most. Be at your best and get the job done. Fulfill your ministry. It's kind of a wraparound, isn't it? Fulfill your ministry. Interesting word in the Greek carries the idea of fulfilling a vow. If you go back to chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, he was encouraged to fan the flame of his passion for ministry, and Paul mentions his ordination mentions the laying on of hands by the elders, plural, presbytery. And it seems like he has stepped back. Was it his weakness of body or weakness of mind? Timothy had a tendency to timidity. Looking at Paul and his imprisonment, did he say to himself, you know what, if I do all that Paul says I ought to do, I'm going to end up where Paul ended up. Perhaps he looks out on the culture And he sees a culture described in chapter 3 where men are proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, lovers of self, not lovers of God, lovers of pleasure, not lovers of eternal truths. And he looks at all of this and he goes, and he kind of steps back and Paul says, hey, you need to step forward. You need to fulfill your ministry vows. It's a word that also can carry the idea of paying down a debt. You made a promise to God, so Timothy, give him your best. Give your best to the best of things in the worst of times. It's kind of where we're at here. Fulfill the ministry. The God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the church, your generation, and lost souls all deserve your best. Fulfill the ministry. My friend Jack Graham tells a story about a book he read many years ago that told the story of a minister who had left the ministry. I'm not sure whether he had decided that himself or he had 
done something that caused him to have to leave. But this guy had left the ministry. And some years later, a friend was asking him how he was doing. And he brought him up to date on where he was in life. And then the friend said, do you miss the ministry? And the man said, you know what? There are things about the ministry I don't miss. And we can kind of all guess what they might be. But he says, there's one thing I miss. He says, I miss the sound of the trumpets in the morning. I miss the sound of the trumpets in the morning. What was he saying, guys? He says, I miss that call to duty, the call to a work that is eternal in significance, glorious in terms of its pursuit and its focus. I miss the sound of the trumpets in the morning. Paul is calling Timothy to duty, to preach the word, to be a contrast to the culture to be a benchmark of orthodoxy within the church and to be found standing tall when Jesus comes to set up his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we, we find ourselves challenged once again from 2 Timothy. As Paul signs off, leaves us his last letter, his, bequeaths us his dying wishes, and what a passage we have just expounded. Certainly a an immediate challenge to every elder and pastor and any young man that aspires to that office here today. Because here we have the job description of the minister of Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful to our charge. Help us to hear the blast of the trumpets in the morning calling us to fulfill the ministry, to preach the word. But, oh God, it is an application to all men. You've called us all to be men of the word. To some degree or another, we will share it and we will study it and we will give an account for our handling of it. So help us to apply this passage. We thank you that just as the destruction of Hitler simplified Churchill's life, we thank you that this passage simplifies all of our lives and gives us a description of what it means to be a man of God and what it means to man up. For we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, amen. You're listening to Know the Truth and the last of a two-part lesson titled Stay on Message from the Without Apology series. Remember, if you ever miss a message, you can find them on our website at ktt.org or on the KTT podcast. Just search your favorite podcast platform like Spotify for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. As we learn, the best way to preserve truth is to promote truth by preaching it with accuracy, clarity, and conviction. And that's why Know the Truth exists, to share the gospel with a world desperately in need of truth. It's the faithful support of our listeners that make this goal a reality as we share the gospel each day through the radio and internet. Your generous financial support allows God's word to reach listeners all over the world. So would you partner with us by giving a gift of any amount? You can give online easily by visiting ktt.org or by calling us at 888-644-8811. As a thank you for your gift, we'll send you an exciting and empowering book titled God vs. Government, Taking a Biblical Stand When Christ and Compliance Collide. This book follows pastors John MacArthur and James Coates and their courageous decisions to reopen despite orders to remain closed during the 2020 pandemic. The ensuing legal battles raised important questions about religious freedom and, more importantly, illuminated what it looks like to take a stand when Christ and compliance collide.
This book provides guidance and wisdom on how to respond when the state encroaches upon the church and looks to the Bible for answers about remaining discerning and faithful to our Heavenly Father's commands, even when society tells us to do otherwise. It's a book you'll want to read for yourself and share with church leadership. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. You can also send your donation by mail when you write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us tomorrow as Philip DeCourcy begins a brand new message titled Finishing Well on how to live a life of service to God from start to finish. That's Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Mm -hmm.